0: This is Ronnie and Ryan, Intuitive Coach, and welcome to the Breathe, Love & Magic podcast. In this show, we'll talk about mystical methods, spiritual practices, and magic to grow spiritually, live well, and maybe find love. Open your heart, expand your mind, connect with spirit, and embrace the magic that is all around you. To learn more about intuitive coaching with me or a past life reading, please visit breatheloveandmagic.com. If you enjoy the show, please rate it or write a review and subscribe and share it with a friend. May good fortune come to all those who listen to the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast. And now, on with the show. Do you have a big decision that you're struggling with, or do you have trouble making decisions? Or maybe you just want confirmation that you're headed in the right direction and made the right choice. Well, I've created a special gift for you called How to Ask the Universe for a Sign. In this free half-hour audio program, you're going to learn exactly how to ask the question, how to set everything up so that you can get an answer within 24 hours, and finally know one way or another what you should be doing about a particular situation. This has worked so well for me. I'm happy to share it with you. To listen, just go to nevertolate.biz slash sign. So that's N-E-V-E-R-T-O-O-L-A-T-E dot B-I-Z slash, S like in Sam, I-G-N. And it's my pleasure to share that with you. It's a simple tool to use that offers amazing and wonderful results. In this episode of the Breathe, Love & Magic podcast, I'm speaking with LaToya Zavala. Freedom and power are her aliases. LaToya, survivor turned thriver of abuse and domestic violence, has been actively transforming lives for 20 years in the U.S., Mexico, Kazakhstan, and Japan, formerly in the Navy and now serving the global community. This spiritual inner power coach and motivational speaker helps women leaders release blocks and triggers from toxic connections and collective conscious suppression, reaching the next level of knowing, loving, trusting, believing in, and being their truest and authentic selves so they can manifest the life they deserve. Welcome, LaToya. Hello, everybody. Hi, Ronnie. Thank you for having me here. And thank you for this space. So you went to Kazakhstan and mm-hmm. Japan. Those are worlds apart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are. They are. and They are. But yes, definitely.
1: Kazakhstan being former Soviet Union. Very, very interesting place. And we went in a very interesting time because I think taking them a long time to rebuild themselves and to re-identify themselves coming out of the Soviet Union. I think it was a very exciting time to see a culture trying to come back into itself. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And is that anywhere
0: near Afghanistan? Like I'm just trying to think of the map.
1: You think about Afghanistan and all the the, like smaller stands, (laughs) Kazakhstan is like above that. Kazakhstan borders Russia, China, Turkey, And then many of the
0: stands are below it. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Now I got it pictured in my mind. So you went to all these places with the Navy. Is that it?
1: No. So. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh.
0: No, not at all.
1: I came into loving travel, but the truth is I'm from Boston. I was raised by very deeply cultural Jamaican parents who immigrated to Boston. And I was coming out of a domestic violent relationship. I was young and I had been in that relationship for a few years. And between the years of 97, 98, I was fully coming out of that relationship, but things were still dangerous and volatile. And I was victim to a lot of stalking and, and harassing, not only from him, but from another. I had several bouts of, you know, sexual assault and things in my life. And so that it was a very dangerous and challenging time. I wanted to go back to school and I did not have the money. So being in that abusive relationship, as with many women, my finances were destroyed. My credit report was destroyed. My name, my reputation was destroyed. Someone put it out, man, you didn't have a pot to piss. And I was like, I, no one would loan me the pot to piss in. I was financially yeah. done and really couldn't do anything. And someone had mentioned to me, Hey, why don't you save some money and go, go study outside of the country, you know, where they don't have these kind of systems. And that led to me saving up and getting myself together and moving to Mexico. So that was my first move. I moved to Mexico for three years, uh, studied there. And that university had a missionary student program and they were having a call um, for English as a second language teacher to go to Kazakhstan. So that's what led me to go to Kazakhstan. I went there. Yeah. I went there for a first year, came back, got married to my husband who's Mexican. And then there was, and then they called me back. They were like, Hey, would you come back? Um, and long story short, I ended up going back for another two years this time with my husband. So I spent almost three years there. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. and how'd you end up in Japan? And Japan was actually Navy. So I, oh, okay. um, my husband joined the Navy two thousand five. <clears throat> I joined quite a few years later, and um, and Japan was my first station, my my first duty station as active duty.
0: That is amazing. So how did you get from domestic abuse survivor to spiritual mm-hmm. inner power coach?
1: Mm, that's such a good question. <laughs> <laughs> when I was going through my healing process, it, it was a difficult process. So, you know, I absolutely didn't know how damaged I was, but I knew that I was damaged throughout the years. I I had a psychologist. I had a psychiatrist. I was on medication. I was hospitalized twice for suicidal attempts and behaviors. I had a pastoral counselor. There was so much trying and attempting to heal, to move forward in my life. And at the end of the day, I felt like, man, I was falling through the through the cracks. And I felt like there were a lot of things that were not being addressed. I couldn't articulate it in any way, shape or form intellectually at the time, because I I was still in a very dark place. I knew, I knew that I needed to be a part of the solution. And I think that that's just part of my makeup and who I am. I thought that I was going to go back into the medical field when I got to Mexico and I ended up feeling called to study theology. I don't want to be a part of the solution clinically because that didn't work for me. And it might work for a lot of people, but I want to be a part of the solution for the people that it didn't work for, right? I want to be a part of the solution for the people who are like me. So I thought, okay, I'll do it the spiritual way. And I I went, got my degrees. I got both my bachelor's and my master's are in theology and divinity and my postgraduate is in clinical pastoral education and i became a chaplain in the hospital and that was so fulfilling to me because i i really there got to help people in very you know challenging times times where they do a lot of self introspection the courage and the power of who they are and really connect to whatever their spirituality is and i knew that i really wanted to work with people who were dealing with suicide behaviors, ideations, and and activities, and people who were going through sexual assault and domestic violence, because again, I wanted to be part of the solution of what I came from. My husband, having joined the Navy, I knew that there, we called it the war within the war in the military, right? I knew that there was a concentrated effort to battle these things and that there was a concentrated audience and group of people that I could work with. So I, I, I joined the Navy as a chaplain with the intentions of helping people heal non-clinically. So I did that for 10 years, continuing my healing process as I am helping other people heal, really knowing so very deeply and cellularly what it is like to come through that kind of trauma and what was needed for me and what's needed for thousands of military personnel to heal. And then along the way, adding tools. Adding Reiki and adding EFT tapping, and so it, it was just like a natural progression, progression, yeah. progression. And as I felt the call to come out of the military to even really more specialize, that's I, I knew that my soul calling was to help people be in their inner power as they come through whatever trauma that they're coming through. That's the story
0: in a nutshell. <laughs> I think that that's was pretty much how it developed. Several nutshells, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing story. And I would think that your kind of assistance would be good in conjunction with some traditional therapy as well, not just one or the other, but people could really use both because you provide a different perspective and address other situations that the clinical probably doesn't touch.
1: Right. And this is absolutely true. This has been my experience also, both in and out of the military. So, when I was in the military, I worked very closely with clinical practitioners and therapists. And we very often referred clients to each other, and we very often worked together with clients, of course, respecting our different disciplines of confidentiality, and at the same time, being able to work together to move someone forward in their lives. One of my greatest joys, I think, and fulfillments was being able to do that. So it really depends on the person and where they are in their journey and really what their desires are. I've worked in tandem with clinical practitioners. I've been the post (laughs) <laughs> after they've finished and the clinician's like, okay, I'm done okay. and I'm handing over. And I have been there before. In our country, there's a backlog, or well, what we call a backlog or an overload in the mental health system. And people are having to wait for months to even get appointments, both in and out of the military. And I Is experienced that, because, that firsthand.
0: Let me just interrupt for a second. Is that because there aren't enough clinicians or because that many people need help or both? It's both, we don't have enough clinicians.
1: It's also the as a country we are not we haven't done well in handling stress and things like that. And also because we know that we're coming into a place we're having more awareness, we're having more campaigns, you know, we're having we're trying to get at it more. so you hear it more, you see it more. and so it is working, but now we don't have enough resources <laughs> to yeah. on on the other side of it.
0: You know, what's really interesting is that I had a client who called one of these, instead of the psychic line, it was the psychology. Hotline. So mm-hmm. you can call in and you can get a therapist. You probably have to set an appointment, but she didn't wait long at all. I think it was a day or whatever. She got an appointment right away. They gave her somebody who was available. She said it was fantastic. I don't remember what the name of the service was, but she had an incredible experience. And as she started telling me what they had discussed, I was really happy to hear how mm-hmm. I don't know anything. I'm not trained, but it all made so much sense to me and really got into the crux of the issue. I was like, wow, that's amazing. So, do you know anything about these get help now, better help now, all these different? Uh, I do. Because we
1: have been backlogged for lo- so long. And again, the awareness is, is increasing and increasing. Now you have, you have, a and, and technology is increasing. So now we have more of these initiatives, these apps, these um online organizations, and you have more and more of them popping up. And I think that that's, and that's phenomenal. And we also have more and more clinicians who are now including what we used to think of as alternative things that they're including into their practice. um, And and it's changing the approach and the way we see things. At the same time though, Ronnie, I can tell you that when we adopted my child about a year later, some really devastating trauma was revealed. And based on what he was dealing with, his weight was six months. In my last month in the military, I had a marine who was told she had an eight-week wait. I had another marine who was told he had a, a four-month wait. I had another marine who was told it was the two-week wait. Sometimes it depends on what you're what you're dealing with. Sometimes it depends on what you need. Sometimes it depends on uh, the availability of expertise. And and sometimes, honestly, it just depends on the wave of what's happening in our country, right? You can have months where it's like, oh, okay, you know, and everything's flowing. Then you can have, and then you can have months where people are on this extravagant wait list. So it can be difficult, but I know on a whole, the system is,
0: is overwhelmed. Wow. That really says something. So okay. let's talk about some of the things you mentioned in the bio with your motivational talks. You have helped women leaders release blocks and triggers from toxic connections. Tell me a little bit about that. And if there's a spiritual angle to that kind of work. I think that our world
1: <laughs> and particularly our country is coming more into the understanding that there's a spiritual aspect to all of it, even in the clinical route, right? Cause right. We're yeah. mind, body, spirit. When we talk about aspects that really are integrated in our healing when we talk about love this is not something that you can measure or touch or feel and yet and yet it is a concept this is a spiritual part of ourselves the idea of forgiving the idea of being accepted these are spiritual concepts when we talk about spiritual concepts we're talking about we're talking about the energy that that drives us, the energy that really truly defines us, not roles or positions, but the energy that really defines who we are as a human race and as people. So when we're talking about that, getting to reconnect with the energy of who we are, the energy of who we are with other people, the, the energy of who we are when we are becoming and transforming and elevating and transitioning and healing. This is a truly deeply spiritual space and you can feel it when it happens, right? This is the, the, the undefinable, the intangible, and yet very, very real part of us and who we are. So that being the premise, when I'm helping women heal and really truly heal the triggers and some of the limitations and blocks, what I really focus on is sometimes it's not just the personal. There's collective trauma that has happened to us, particularly as women, and that gets lodged into us as energy. We are thinking that Oh, we have self-sabotaging behaviors, right? I stop myself. Every time I want to go do something, I stop myself. Yes, this is an action, but you stop yourself. You don't receive the money or you don't take the call or you don't respond to the email, right? You stop yourself. But what's the energy behind that? What's the belief? That's behind that, and what really, truly, my work is, is divesting ourselves from that identity, that belief, that projection that was placed upon us, because that's not who we are originally, authentically. When we came to this earth, we were proud of ourselves. We we walked up to mama, it was like, look, mama, look at look. Look what I made. We were proud, and, and there was no stigma behind that, right? When we fell, we were like, Oh, got to get up and do that again, right? We were trying to walk, we were crawling, we we're like, I'm gonna get to the other side, right? We had that determination, we had that courage, we had that belief in ourselves organically. That is who we are. So now, learning what's the belief that interrupted that? What's the belief that came in? And where did it come from? Sometimes in my work, we don't always get to exact point of where it came from. And that's not even necessary. What's necessary is to know that that is not you. That is not your organic original self. And that by itself is a revelation. That's not mine. Right. I can right. give that back or I can release that. And that's a, that's the spiritual space. That's the energetic space. And, and that's where where I use, you know, the Reiki, the EFT and,
0: and other spiritual practices to release that. So instead of owning all that stuff, you own who you truly are and let go of that stuff because a lot of that stuff is learned either through just picking it up around you or because it was drilled into your head or whatever, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Some of it, some of it conscious, very conscious. Some of it subconscious. How many of us have heard in, in peripheral hearing, oh, men are better drivers, right? Uh, Someone cuts them off and you might've heard an uncle or a brother or a father or somebody say, must've been a woman. How many of you have heard on the news? I don't know that our country's ready for a female leader yet or female president yet, right? All of this is subconscious conditioning, that you are not enough. Again, some of it subconscious, some of it very blatant. In my first tour in Japan, I sat in a meeting. I was the only female in the room other than the secretary. I was a Navy officer. And in the meeting, the supervisory officer, because he was frustrated with something that a volunteer female did, who was not in the meeting, he was frustrated with something that he did And he banged his fist on the table and he said, this is why the Bible says women should be silent. Talking about in a a military meeting, right? And he's looking dead at me. I didn't Uh respond. And because I didn't respond, I didn't flinch, didn't change my facial expression. He repeated it, banged his fist on the table two more times. And he said, this is why the Bible says women should be silent seriously. And everybody like, you know, there's a, there's a, there was a, another, a male, younger, you know, white male officer there. And his face was like bright red because he's like, I can't believe this is happening. (laughs) But we're talking about conditioning. We're talking about cultural, societal, traditional, religious conditioning, and oppression. And honestly, I would call it psychological abuse of the female existence and identity. And we we have been under it for millennia. Yeah, so we don't yeah. even know sometimes that that's what actually is the fact that is actually where your fear, your low self-esteem, or your, your lack of courage, or your self-sabotaging, or your indecisiveness comes from you're thinking you're introvert or you're indecisive. You're not, you have been collectively abused or traumatized somewhere. And I know those are
0: really harsh words, but truly my mission is to help women be free from that. What are some things that have come up When you've done talks and people have come up to you after, like what kind of things come up for them? You mean realizations? Yeah.
1: So many. I just had a talk with someone the other day and they were thinking they had taken on the identity of being indecisive. And I said, did you know that very often indecisiveness is a symptom of some trauma that has happened to you? Is there a belief in there somewhere that you don't trust yourself and why don't you trust yourself? you know, you just see that, Ooh, the, the relief. Wow. That so resonates. Right. Um, when I talk to people about the self-sabotage, right. And I talk to people about, you know, do you know that when you're stopping yourself, that there is a belief there when you're thinking, Look, I'm not going to call that person back. There is a belief. When I've talked about my story of carrying the baggage forward, right. And, in healing my finances, I was healing myself, right? In healing my relationship with money, I was really, truly healing my self-worth. You hear the stories of, wow, it, the different layers of not loving myself, of not appreciating myself. You know, the actual definition of confidence is self-assurance arising from your appreciation of your qualities and your abilities. That actually is what confidence is. So when we're talking about, you know, building self-confidence is, you know, taking the step forward and doing the action and these other things, When actually the root is building the muscle of appreciating yourself. I could tell you, I had about three conversations about this last week and after speaking with this struggle of not wanting to be too prideful, not wanting to be braggadocious, not wanting to, you know, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to talk too much about myself. What is that? Where did that come from? And we truly recognize that this is more of a female thing than a male thing. They don't oh, have an for issue. Sure.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> they don't for have sure. an issue. No, they do not. They do not at all. Yeah. And
1: what are we saying when we say that, that this is, this is DNA? No, this is years and years and years of conditioning. When I actually talk about the definition of pride, which is being able to celebrate your achievements, and then I asked the question: So, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with at, with having pride, which is being able to celebrate your achievements? And really, it's the introspection. Wow, oh my God, I never heard it said that way. And
0: now we have to ask the question: Where did it come from? Well, that sounds it's religious. It's not yours. Yeah, that sounds religious to me. The whole thing about pride.
1: Absolutely, but not only that, right? There's a book called The Labyrinth by two researchers and they talk about its research and they interviewed both women and males. And the males admitting to the fact that yes, they also feel that when men feel good about their achievements and they speak about it that that is normal and when a woman does it that they're being heady, that they're being braggadocious, that that they're being too much for themselves, too bold, right? So there's So there is this pervasive attitude and approach towards women when we are celebrating ourselves or speaking about ourselves. It's not just religion, right? And some of it is deeper in religion, of course, and deeper in some cultures even. And so it's for the individual person
0: to say, okay, where did this come from? Yeah. Right? Like the difference between the pride and being humble. Like humble is honored more than having pride in your accomplishments For a while, when I first became a coach, I was not just a dating coach, but I was also a life coach. So I was teaching boldness boot camp. I'm sure you would have liked that. (laughs) And and that was really created to help people take those steps to get what they want, whatever it was, and to be bold enough to talk about what they wanted and take steps and formulate a plan uh, to achieve their goals. So... It was as it should have been.
1: (laughs) And I think we should have more and more of them. So I just looked it up. I want to read this real quick with the definition of humble having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's importance. Now, how many people have actually heard that definition being humble, having a low estimate of one's importance. Again, here coming from like the spiritual energetic side, right? Words carry energy. Words are our, our voice carries frequency. So the words carry energy. And we may not even know the depth of what we're saying, right? I don't want to be prideful. I just, I, I want to be humble. You want to have a low estimate of your importance and who bathed women with that need, right? So that's the kind of work that I do. Let's really talk about when you're saying these things, let's really talk about the energy that you are speaking into your life and that you are moving in, right? That you're acting on. Sure. Yeah. makes total sense. It makes sense, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's why. When you told me about one of your speeches is called, I am the storm. I was like, Oh, I love that. (laughs) That was just such an awesome resonance for me. I could really feel the Mm. power of that concept, you know? Mm -hmm. So tell us a story about that, where that came from.
1: I was requested to speak for, it might've been the first, I think it was the first time I was requested to speak for Daughters of the American Revolution. That year, the strongest storm system actually recorded um, Dorian and it dropped into my spirit <laughs> when wow. you when you see the devastation that one storm can do. And really what I was speaking about was the power of one and that I would like to give a different twist. Sometimes we need storms to clear it does a lot of damage. Don't get me wrong. And there is some, some negative energy there, but sometimes we need storms to clear what needs to be torn down. And the truth is, <laughs> there is a lot of BS, Ronnie, that needs to be torn down. Ideologies, theologies, structures that need to be torn down. And it needs a storm. It needs the energy of a storm to tear them down. These beliefs and, and policies and laws and practices that have kept women down for millennia, generation after generation, it doesn't take a gentle wind. It's going to take a storm. (laughs) Every one of us has the storm within us. And also, I'm gonna about humans now, some of the strongest storms have been through the storm, right? So we may have storms that we have gone through that have made you more powerful, that have made you uh, more experienced, that have given you the wisdom and what I call the cellular knowing now, right? You know that you know, and you don't need a book and you don't need anyone to explain. You, like you cellularly know, right? Because you have been through the storm. And so now you can become the storm. You can become the system that shifts and clears and tears down what needs to be torn down. The other beautiful thing about the storm is that there's an I, right? So when the, when the storm system is gathering and it's galvanizing, right. And the speeds are like dizzying around it, then you can come down and get to the center right? That center where there's peace and there's calm. Everybody knows, right? That there's this eye of the storm. When you connect to your convictions and your purpose and your mission, then that center, that core is where you reside and your behavior, your actions, your passion are those winds that swirl around you. The last thing I'll say about this, right, is a storm is not a storm. A a storm is just chaotic energy until it organizes. That's the science of it. It's just chaotic wind and warmth that's just there until it organizes and until it's fed by the temperature energy that hovers over the ocean. Once we've come through our own storms, we can be in chaotic energy, but once we allow that passion purpose and your truer identity to organize into who you are becoming and what you stand for, then you are organized into this powerful storm system that will tear down what it is that you were called and you were meant to tear down just the core, right? Just a little bit of what that represents. I most certainly have been through so many storms and and I know that many, many women have, but the call now, the clarion call, the, the challenge that I propose to you is that recognize that yes, you have been through many storms. You may even be going through a storm right now, but I'm calling on you to collect yourself into the eye of the storm, center yourself, Figure and identify and pin your purpose, your mission, and your passion, and your power. Organize that energy and become the storm that you were meant to become. And let's do this together.
0: Oh my God, I love that. (laughs) Oh, that's just so fabulous. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That is just amazing. And One of the things I've been working on is standing in my power, owning my power, and It's interesting because I'm not sure of the roadmap, but I'm not letting that get in the way. (laughs) I just have the intention. All right. That's it. I'm standing in my power today. This is who I am. I own it. Absolutely.
1: And it's one step at a time, right? It's one action at a time. It's one decision at a time, sometimes one moment at a time. And, and
0: sometimes the roadmap
1: really, truly unfolds before you.
0: One of the ways I'm looking at it is, I don't know how much control there is in a storm. (laughs) But the way I look at it is I I don't really control the storm. But if I am the storm, I just have to be the best I can be. And then how things settle is how things settle. But I know I did my best and that's all I can ask of myself. So even if this thing doesn't happen or I don't get that to happen or I don't get that client or whatever it is, I still did my best. I can't then look at myself and say, well, you should have done this. Or you should have, you know. Just, I just try to eliminate all that internal criticism because it's so easy to just fall back into all of that criticism, second guessing yourself about how you could have done it, said it, positioned it, tried it, whatever. That's just a massive waste of time because now it's in the past anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I can fall back into that too sometimes. But I, th- I think
1: one of the best tools for that is the eye of the storm, right? And being able to come back to the center and really center yourself. I believe this in my heart. So I teach the seven C's of inner power. And one of them is conviction. And it really comes back to what is your conviction? That conviction is that I know that I know that I know that I know. It's that cellular knowing. When you come back to that conviction, you're back in the eye of the storm and you're back to yourself. You're back to your peace. You're back to your purpose. You're back to some direction. You're back to some clarity. And then you can kind of see things from a different perspective. You know, one of the things that I talk about is that you can't see what the storm is doing necessarily until it's done yeah right we're all glued to the to the news report afterwards and we're seeing what happens after And this is true with us and our purpose. Also, we may think, and you know, Rodney, I've been through this too. We may think nothing's happened. The connection didn't happen, but you may not be able to see until afterwards, right? What your action or your words or your standing or, you know, your confronting truly has done. The other thing about the storm, though it feels devastating, and this may be unfortunate or fortunate. I don't know but what i do know is that when we go through a storm that is powerful we become more powerful as a people we gather together we don't see color all of a sudden we're helping each other we're we're building each other's houses we're picking yes. up each other's trash right before the storm we were literally killing each other because you were red side and you were blue side and you know and, and you were the devil and you hated me and i hated you right And then the storm happens and then we come together as never before. So yes, sometimes it may not feel good, right? But when you are on your purpose and you become the storm, there is good happening. You are in your purpose and what you are meant to do, the legacy that you are leaving, you will find that it is worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had an experience that sort of blew my mind recently when I write articles on a website called yourtango.com. And I had 1.3 million views of my articles last year. Now, which I celebrate. Woo! Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's crazy. That's a crazy number. And I was really shocked. And then I was asking them about these other people I know who write. And I'm like, well, what about them? And what about them? And what- no, apparently I had the most views last year. I was like, oh my gosh, because there's so many people who write on that site. Yeah. And it took me a while. I had a friend who had a point out to me, excuse me, <laughs> please take that in. 1.3 million people read your stuff, all the things mm-hmm. I talk about. And, and that's where humbleness came in, actually. It, because I was like, wow, that's, it's just so many people. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I, I wrote a post on LinkedIn and I said, you don't know the impact you have. You have no, I had no idea. And I don't know what it did for all those readers. And maybe it helped some people. I hope it did. But we don't really know. And you can't see it from this perspective. Because mm-hmm. we we don't have the hundred foot view. We're in the trenches all the time on the ground. Exactly. Right. You don't know the impact you have on everybody all around you. And that's why they talk about the ripple effect. You can't see the ripples. You can't see the good you do and the difference you make. But that doesn't mean mm-hmm. you're not making a difference. Absolutely. And so that for me was unbelievable. Was to think yeah. about. And so that's why I really put that on a LinkedIn. I I encouraged people, take a step back and think about all the people you impact because you're not, I bet anything, you are not thinking about that. You know, we're all in our heads about whatever. So anyway, that's what I wanted to, you know, get across today. And I thank you so much for all that you shared. This was really an amazing opportunity to have this conversation with you. And I know you have a free gift for the listeners.
1: So I wrote this ebook, 21 ways to stop self-sabotage the awakened way. I sat down and it, when I talk about that cellular knowing, right? It just kind of poured into me and poured out of me. So this is a this is a pretty substantial ebook. It's 75 pages, but it's it's not for you to read, right? It's a playbook. 21 ways for you to activate and interrupt self-sabotage. How can you change the energy around you and the energy in you? so that you really start working on this self-sabotaging behavior that you may have. It's a beautiful book. It has some self-assessments after each section, right? Am I doing this? How much am I doing this in my life? What do I need to do more of this in my life, right? So you can go through the 21 ways, but you can go back to it every day. Monthly, you can go back to it yearly, right? You can go back to it when you find yourself, you know what, I think I'm I'm sabotaging myself. And you can go back to it and say, okay, what what action step can I take today? And they're really simple, easy actions to to shift the energy around you and in you to really help you with self-sabotage. The ebook is not free. But I gave Ronnie the code. You gave me a URL that I'll put into the show notes. Yes. And here I found it. I found it. The code is power. Yes. So you have to use the code because the ebook is not free. Because um, I really, truly believe in energy exchange. And, I, and it's one of the reasons why I actually came out of the military to do what oh. I do. So you got to use the code power so that you can get this ebook
0: for free. And this is a special gift for the listeners of this podcast. Yay. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. You want to just close with a little blessing for us. For someone who needs to hear this today,
1: you absolutely have clarity. You absolutely have cellular knowing. You can Pull back, you can center, you can become the eye of the storm. You absolutely can know who you are and what your purpose is. You absolutely can heal. This is your time. You're listening to this podcast right now. It means you really wanted and needed this activation in your life right now. So I am so very happy and glad for you for whatever this is doing for you in your life right now. You are light, you are love, and you are power. And, and I elevate, you and I celebrate you for whatever storm that you have come through in your life. And I encourage you and invite you to become now the storm to affect the change that you have desired and you have wanted. So love and
0: power to you today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Latoya Zavala. You're welcome. Thank you for listening today. If you're curious about intuitive coaching or a past life reading, please visit breatheloveandmagic.com. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate it or write a review and subscribe to never miss an episode. And share the magic with a friend. This is Ronnie and Ryan wishing you love and magic.